All right, baby. Episode four of Cellar Dwellers. We are back. Sean McGeehan here with Kyle, Nick, and Pat. Big episode for us today, gang. Eddie Alvarez, former UFC world champion, former Bellator world champion, and current one championship contender is joining the show in just a little bit. So we're really excited to have him on the show today, guys. But let's just start off until we get to him. Let's just banter for a little bit. What have you guys been up to this past week? Browsing Twitter as usual. Yeah, you see anything interesting on Twitter? I did, actually. Uh, there's a UFO. There's real UFOs out there. Have you seen this? I did see that, yeah. I Dude, did mm-hmm. see that. So, Which, first of all, it's we nuts. Already, no, we, so we already know there's, there's unidentified objects that have been seen in the sky by many people. But this is the first time that the government, the Pentagon, actually put out the videos are confirming they're real. They don't, they don't know what they are, but... I will say convenient time for the Pentagon to finally put out something with the UFOs. You know, we're all in quarantine, can't Corona going on, maybe a little distraction from all this. Are you forming a comp- conspiracy theory, Kyle? Kyle's got his tinfoil hat on. I think there's some fraudulent play going on right now. Oh boy. Well, but I still, but I, I do believe that there are like UFOs and aliens out there. And I, I honestly think lesser of people if they don't think that. I tell you what, <laughs> What's freaked me out, when you watch the video, it's just like a little flying bean through the sky, right? Then that joint started to rotate. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And then it really started to look like a UFO that like, I would picture in my head. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, this is real. They did say, like, it could be, there could be multiple things that it, that it possibly be. It could be a, uh, an illusion from, like, the atmosphere, like, some, like the sunlight shining some way, because the way they were recording it was a infrared, uh, was, like, an infrared camera on fighter jets, and they was picking up the, uh, it was picking up, like, the flying objects, so it could either be, like, just a weird way the sun's reflecting off the atmosphere, but also another thing is that, uh, it could be, like, a satellite or a, a piece of, like, a rock from outer space that's just, like, falling into the atmosphere, I- so that's, like, a possibility, but... I think it'd be way cooler. If it the was way it was UFO. moving was just, it was so weird that like, it makes you think. Especially the rotation, dude. The rotation is what defies everything we know about physics from like, uh, I think like Joe Rogan said that or something in his Instagram <laughs> post. Listen, man, I, I got like a D in physics in high school, so I'm not the hey, You know who we so. should have on next is Alex Jones. I bet he'd know a lot about this. Yeah, sure. we'll reach out to you on Twitter, Alex yeah. Jones. Can you talk to us about UFOs? That'd be pretty freaking sweet. We'll turn it into a science I mean, podcast. For if there's episode. anyone that can defy physics, it's aliens, like. Because aren't physics like just restricted for Earth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you get like aliens, they don't have they don't have to follow the law. Oh no, yeah, exactly. They're, they yeah, have, they're yeah. not in our atmosphere, so they can be doing whatever the hell they want. That's what I was insinuating, Kyle. <laughs> oh, I didn't catch on to that. <laughs> no. no <laughs> well, listen, UFOs aside, let's talk some sports. That's what we try to focus on in this podcast. Listen, last week we did our live reaction to the NFL draft. We're Eagles fans. We're emotional. And while the draft was happening, we, we, we weren't too happy. We were happy at some points. We ended the night on a low. We were very devastated. And then the week went on. A couple rounds went on. And we had some questionable draft decisions with Jalen Hurts, which I'm actually a fan of, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But let's now take some time. Now that we had like a week to process this draft, the Jalen Rager pick. How do we feel about it now? Because when it first happened, all four of us were disappointed. We were team Justin Jefferson. Originally, we were team CD Lamb. We wanted Justin Jefferson once we couldn't get CD. So now that we've actually 
absorbed some content and seen some of the film of Jalen Rager more. We've taken a deeper look, I should say. How do we feel about him? Nick, I want to hear your take because you said last time that Justin Jefferson was going to be like the best receiver of all time because we didn't take him. <laughs> yeah, no, I still think like that might happen, uh, you know, just because like that seems to happen a lot, DK Metcalf and everything like that. But I, I like Rieger. Uh, I didn't know a lot about him. Uh, I like – I also – I don't know what was wrong with me. Like during the first round, I was so high strung. I think I was – I didn't eat enough that day or something. I was like a little angry. I was like saying fire Howie and stuff, and I'm not normally like the angry Philly fan. Like yeah. I'm normally pretty oh, optimistic. Yeah, I'm normally pretty <laughs> optimistic, and I have to like I've completely flipped. Like hey, I, I like Rager. Like I didn't know his college quarterback was garbage. I didn't. Know he was he absolutely like I didn't know he benched 380 pounds. I didn't know he squatted over 600. Like he's in the thousand pound club club without the clean. That's insane, and he's a receiver. I guess so, we're optimistic. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Like, I like the pick. Um, yeah, I like the pick. I, I'm. I, I think Howie. I I I thought it was like another Aguilar at the time, but yeah, you saw that. Like it said, problems on like ESPN. They had yeah. like the the different um like the pl- the pros and cons, and like cons were drops. You're like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, but then like I watched him, and like it looks like he has good hands. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I don't know. We just have to see. Uh, but, like, they also kind of hedged it with all the, the wide receiver picks. They signed that quarterback from Arizona to a, as a receiver. Um, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, they got Marquise Goodwin. So, we brought a lot of speed in. So, somebody's going to have to be – hopefully Wait, somebody turns they out. Brought, they brought in a quarterback from college. Now he's going to play receiver. In oh, NFL. another Greg Ward? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, another Greg Ward. Ward. All right, I'll take another Greg Ward. <laughs> yeah. How about you guys, Kyle, Pat? You're st- are you feeling the same as Nick? We're we're a little bit calm now. We're happy with the pick, confident, comfortable. How are we feel? Uh, I'm all in on Jalen Rager. Just watching his highlight films. I know highlight films aren't the most trustworthy, but I'm all in. Like we needed to get fast so bad. Now that's and interesting, because you were extremely anti Justin Jefferson until about three minutes before we we were on the clock. So yeah. you said let's just take the linebacker, and then we took Rager, the wide receiver. And now you're all in on Rager? Yeah, that's partially because my I didn't really know that much about Rager. I don't pay attention to like college football that much. I don't think but, any of us did know much about him, given that we were yeah, we, it really anything. looked like we were supposed to take Jefferson. It, it was yeah. the writing was on the walls. Like we just saw just, Rager as a possible name. Yeah, you just see this like small wide receiver from TCU that I, like looked up his combine stats and like at the combine he ran a four four seven. But I watched a video of him. It was like his virtual pro day. He had two. I don't know, probably coaches there taking his 40 time. When he ran it, he one uh, recorded a 4.29 and the other one recorded a 4.22. Right. So this dude is fast as hell. Speaking He's explosive. Of, and most of my of, anger, sorry, most of my anger came from us letting the Cowboys get C.D. Lamb. Yeah. That's where most of it came from. Yeah, because like, we had the chance to trade off. Yeah, because we had the chance to get C.D. Lamb and we didn't. So I was pissed about that. But then when we got Rager instead of Jefferson, that kind of just put me over the edge, even though I wasn't that big on Jefferson. I just yeah, needed a reason to be angry. Well, C.D. Lamb now officially sucks anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's anymore. a bum. Yeah. Uh, Although I'm pretty sure him and Rager are friends, actually, so they train together. So maybe they can, like, bounce off each other and they both become good. Uh, Rager just becomes a lot better. 
What were you going to say, Pat? I was just going to say, you were speaking of 40 times. We got this uh, linebacker from Colorado, I think, uh, Davion Taylor, ran like a 4-4-9. Yeah. Fast as hell. Yeah, that is especially for a linebacker. The fastest linebacker was the one out of Clemson, right? Yeah, he ran a 4-3-9, which is insane. That's, he was also yeah. the eighth pick in the draft. But. Yeah, okay. That's so, we got – Eagles really picked up some speed. They picked up some speed, which is what we needed. I'm interested in the wide receivers now because we all of a sudden went from having nothing to, to really having a lot, right? We have – from last year, we have Deshaun, who's coming back from the injury. We'll get to him in just a bit. He's made some news. We don't want to speak on Philly topics too, too long. We'll get to some national stuff. We have Deshaun. We have Alshon. Got Greg Ward. We have Arthago Whiteside, <laughs> right? And then we have the guys we drafted. We got the, the kid from Boise State. I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, Hightower. Hightower. Yeah, we, I like him. We got Rager. All right, we got this kid who's – quarterback turn wide receiver now from Arizona so now it's like we're gonna have a wide receiver battle in camp which I think is actually gonna help the Eagles wide receivers be like oh snap like I actually gotta go out and play now like I gotta try and try and make get some time in the field because now we get seems like we almost have an overload uh, of wide receivers I have I've I think I know what's gonna happen I think they're gonna do what they um what they always do, like I'm being pessimistic, obviously, because it's the Eagles. But I think what they're going to do, what they always do, which is run the guys that they're they know about. So they're going to run like Greg Ward, Alshon, Deshaun, and like Rager, probably. And Rager, probably. Yeah, you but have then, to play Rager, but they're they're going to Alshon's going to be terrible, right? Because he was not good last year, and I don't see him getting better this year. So I think they're going to run Alshon into the ground until like everyone in Philly's like cut this man right now and then finally they're gonna bring up john hightower and he's gonna fucking he's gonna be like the new greg ward yeah yeah. here's the thing that i'm interested in was the, the controversy or the battle that I, I suspect is going to happen is because deshaun jackson just posted on his instagram story yesterday which would be uh, april 28th he said something along the lines of i'm not a third wide receiver throw in the expletives where you will and he said i'm still a number one believe that I don't think he's a number one, if I'm, if I'm being honest. But I'd like to see Jackson in the lineup. What do you think? Because I've also heard that Rager has been talking to Jackson and Alshon and all these people because, you know, the coronavirus is all the training camp and OTAs. They're not going on. So he's just been on virtual contact with those guys. And they seem all friendly, but then Jackson put out that kind of message. How do you guys feel about that? You think Jackson's going to get the playing time that he would like? I don't know if he'll get what he would like, but I don't think if he like if he doesn't, I don't think it would be because he's not good anymore. I think it would just because be because we're like deep at wide receiver now, which is good because he's an older guy who we don't. He was hurt all of last year. You don't want him getting hurt again. So I think it would be better to have him not playing as much. But when he's in there, he's able to go full throttle and really spread the field. Now listen, yeah, I, I looked think... into this. Sorry, Nick. I looked into this just real quick. He he got drafted, I believe, two thousand eight. So it's been 12 years since he – this is his 12th year in the league, which is a lot. But anyway, Nick, go ahead. Yeah, I think, I think when he's healthy, he's our, he's, our, he's our one. He's our best receiver. Okay, wow. I mean, like last year, in that first game, man, what did he have? He had like 130 yards. Like 150, I believe, like eight catches or something. Like yeah, 250 like he plus yarders. He's like expanded what routes he runs since uh, he was here the first time. He runs every route well. He's fast. He's still got the speed. Um, he's got good hands. I think he's our best receiver. I don't think Al- Alshon's going to be ready to start the year. I don't think he'll last long if he does get healthy. I agree. I think he's pretty much out of the p- picture. I don't know. I, th- I, th- 
I think if Alshon's like healthy, like now that we have speed, I think he could be actually really good. Because like if you have speed to spread everyone else out, then you kind of have Alshon. You can put him in more one-on-one coverages, and that's what he's good at. He's good at like going up and getting it and boxing guys out. So I think right. I, I I'm I'm in on Alshon this year. I think can he's gonna have a good bounce back here. Yeah, I don't know if it's just if he's like the one causing problems with Justina Anderson. I'd rather just have him out. Mm-hmm. Like True. if good things point. aren't going because like. In the best case scenario, Ortega Whiteside, you know, gets like improves and he can take over that role. Like mm-hmm. that would like because like that's the type of receiver he is. It's he's I a big guy. He's gonna happening. go up and get it. Yeah, I know, but you gotta hope that like you figure something out. Some guys aren't ready as a rookie, so yeah. you don't know. True that. True but that. I mean, even if if even if he's not good, I'd still rather give other guys a shot than like Alsh- then let Alshon like cause a problem you know what i yeah, mean well i don't know hopefully there won't be a problem like i saw did you see on twitter rager said alshon like texted him or he texted alshon right that's and what i was saying was, yeah alshon was just like just put your work in and get ready to win right. so hopefully alshon's just like over that i don't i don't even know if i believe justina anderson yeah and her sources no i like i love alshon jeffrey like he's like one oh, of my yeah. favorite like eagles ever like yeah, and he played that super bowl season with the yeah. torn shoulder you're good and with he was it, so bro. good he was yeah. so good i just like I don't know. With that much speed, it, it's going to be so much fun to like see how they use it. I don't know. I can't wait. All right, gang. Good stuff. Just letting everyone know, it looks like Eddie's going to be joining the show in just a bit. So now is a good time to let you know that support for Cellar Dwellers comes from the official razor of the UFC, Manscaped. Have you ever had an awkward moment where you had to spar against someone who had a full bush coming out of their shorts? Thankfully, Manscaped has everything you need to keep that package nice and tidy. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, and their top-notch ball trimmer called the Lawnmower 3.0 will keep you clean without nicks and cuts. Manscaped partners with top-tier MMA athletes like Max Holloway, Francis Ngannou, and Brian Ortega. These fighters know that hygiene is a priority within our sport. It certainly is, and I actually know from personal experience, I've done a bit of training myself, and I have to tell you guys, when you have to go up and spar against someone or roll with someone who's not hygienic and is all hairy and smelly, It's the absolute worst experience. It's good if you have Manscaped. It's perfect for all MMA athletes. And that's why this is a revolutionary company. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer and called it the Lawnmower 3.0. The Lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, which makes manscaping accidents a thing of the past. When you are manscaped, you'll look better and you'll feel better in and outside the octagon. And... MMA fans, listen up. Do not use the same trimmer on your face that you use on your balls. That's absolutely disgusting. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes you step in, step up your grooming game. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. Hey, Sean, speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. Have you ever smelled your balls after a long training session? I hate to admit it, but I have, and that's why I'm thankful for the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. These products keep my balls from smelling, sweating, and sticking, and they actually smell nice. And guess what? The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that are not only comfy, but anti-chafing. And I don't know about you guys, but I hate when my balls are chafing. Chafing is the absolute worst. All guys know, especially MMA athletes. So we need you guys to go right now to manscaped.com 
and get 20% off and free shipping with the code SELLERDWELLERS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping on manscaped.com using the code SELLERDWELLERS, C-E-L-L-A-R-D-W-E-L-L-E-R-S. Thank you, Manscaped, for supporting mixed martial artists worldwide. All right, let's get back to the show. So we're talking about wide receivers. Now the Eagles have like a plethora of receivers and it's going to be like a, a battle in camp. What about Aaron Rodgers? That's no wide receiver drafted yeah. for him. <laughs> Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. That's a great transition, Pat, because there was some crazy stat that ESPN put up the other day that he's only thrown one touchdown to a first round wide receiver in his entire career. And then they draft love. And then they draft love at 26. If I'm getting that right. They just spent a first-round draft pick on a quarterback when you got arguably a top top three quarterback. If you, some people want to make that case still, right? Like, whoo! If you're Aaron Rodgers, man, you really got to feel like this organization doesn't want me anymore. I'm mm-hmm. sitting there, and Aaron Rodgers should be feeling so disrespected. I wouldn't even want to suit up for the Packers this season if I was Aaron Rodgers. He has no reason to, like, want to go back. Like, I wouldn't blame him one bit if he was, like, trade me right now. Like, they have done nothing since he was there to get him any type of help. So why would – and then they, you draft his replacement when they made the NFC Championship last year. And I know – I didn't. I don't think they were that good of a team that they should have made the NFC Championship. Yeah. But you still made it. So, like, at least try and go all in while you still have Rodgers. The yeah. fact that he's still that. very productive. Right, right. And you got to think, like, he, he probably – he probably wants to get out of there. I don't know where he's going to go because we've been talking about this for weeks now. There's seems like now officially there's quarterbacks in almost every single team. They got their guy. But, man, oh, man, I would not want to play if I was Aaron Rodgers. They got to get him some help or he's just got to get the hell out of Green Bay. That is ridiculous. But let's talk about another quarterback signing, our buddy Jameis Winston. We've talked about him a couple times in this episode. <laughs> we've debated if he's a starter. We debated if he's – you know, bench, second second stringer. He ends Hall up down in perhaps a Hall of Famer. 30 for 30. Perhaps a future 30 for 30 for Mr. Winston. He ends up as the backup down in New Orleans, backing up Drew Brees. I think this is going to be good for him. I think his Drew Brees is old, right? Mm-hmm. He learns from Brees. He learns the the intrinsic little things you need to know to really be – a legend in this game. What's really going to make him a legend in the future? Because he has his problems now, obviously. But I think sitting behind Breeze is going to help him. And if Breeze says, I'm going to retire in this year or whatever, or whatever, he can just come in and he can take it. He's only on a one-year contract. So if Breeze wants to retire, they don't want to pay Breeze in the season or two. Winston comes in. He learns from Breeze for a season. Seems like a perfect fit for me, actually. I like the great, great signing by New Orleans. Yeah, I, I love the signing for for Jameis too. Like, it's not not it's not a lot of money. I don't think he got that much to be there. It was a but, one year deal. Yeah, one, one year one year deal for one million dollars. You're gonna learn behind one of like a top ten quarterback of all time. Sean Payton's been one of the best coaches in the NFL for like ten plus years now. So it's just a perfect situation for him. And now that he can finally see again, <laughs> he can just like actually throw the ball to people that aren't on the other team. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. That will be interesting. All right, gang, let's talk about this. Week two, MJ documentary. I, myself, Kyle, Nick, we were huge fans of the documentary. 
Pat, you've been on record to say that you didn't think the first two episodes were that good. No, no, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed this week. He enjoyed this week. Now, he didn't watch the first two episodes live. This week, he enjoyed it. I'll tell you what, I thought it was just as good, if not better, than the first, the first two episodes. I like how yeah, it was Rodman good. was in it a lot. Like, they really focused on Rodman, the Rodman story. Yeah, Rodman has a really interesting story. I'm not sure if you guys know much about Rodman other than what you learned from in the documentary. But Pat and I, we went and we watched the Rodman 30 for 30 on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that. It's all, oh, it's awesome, dude. you got to watch it. It starts off, it's like, it's a little different than some 30 for 30s. Where it's like, you'll know right away. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's a little different than some 30 for 30s. But it really gives a good insight on how Rodman became Rodman. Yeah. And I didn't realize how big Rodman was. We see him as the third guy, right? You see Jordan, you see Pippen, and then you saw Rodman. That's how we, he was uh, portrayed in the documentary. But in reality, on the court, he was the third guy. But what I got from watching the 30 for 30 is he apparently was as popular, if not more popular, than Michael Jordan. You should have seen this stuff, man. There was crowds like he was the Pope going down like New York City, down Broadway or something. And it was just thousands of people just to see Dennis Rodman. It was absurd. I didn't realize how popular this guy was. Yeah, that's like how uh, we talked about before those uh, like unsung, like underrated guys that you love. Like I feel like any city, like if he was, if he played for the Sixers, like we would all love him more than anybody else on the Sixers. Right. Like you, you love those like gritty players, like those glue guys, and like a city like Chicago, like I've, I've feel like it's pretty similar to Philly. Like they, they probably he was probably everybody's favorite player. Chicago and Detroit. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. Right. Wait, hold on. Also, how crazy is it that like back then he tried to like kill himself and then he got traded for it? Like, they yeah, were, like that was oh, like. Like, we'll get you help. Like, that's, yeah, like, that's, how they, <laughs> that's how get, they solve the problem of Dennis Robin trying to commit suicide. Yeah, you're, you're going to San Antonio. I hope you like it better yeah, than yeah, on yeah, there. You got to watch the documentary, though. The documentary does a really good job. And, like, he knew he was checked out because they, they switched their coaches in Detroit, right? And the, he was real. I forget, I'm blanking again on the damn coach's name. It's so obvious, but. Oh, the um, Detroit coach? Yeah, the Detroit coach. Yeah, but, he was like best friends with him. This um, coach apparently just understood Dennis Rodman to a T. And he made everything – because Dennis Rodman didn't start playing basketball until super, super late, right? And he had a, he was like 5'9 or something coming out of high school. He was very, like, very short. And then he just shot up a foot. Chuck he, Daly. Chuck Daly. That's the Pistons coach. And then he came up, shot a foot, played in college, dominated in like Oklahoma, Southern Oklahoma or something odd like that. And then he got drafted by the Pistons. And they – Coach Daly just understood him to a T and made him really just love basketball. But then they got rid of Daly when the Bulls beat the Pistons and Rodman just got off his rocker. So then he got traded to San Antonio and San Antonio and Dennis Rodman. They just don't mix, right? They just don't mix, right? <laughs> so then he went over to Chicago. They traded him again. And Scotty and Rodman had some battles back in the day. And he was a little weary about having Dennis Rodman on the team. But then Mike and Phil Jackson talked to Scotty. Scotty was on board. They brought him in. Hey, they went up winning a couple championships, so it was awesome. I think the fact that Phil Jackson was like a hippie helped a lot. Yeah, because what was like, up with him doing like yoga and stuff? Dude, he like, he he was a, he just was a hippie that happened to play. Uh, was really good at basketball during like the what sixties and seventies, whatever yeah, he yeah. played. 
And uh, I think that helped because Rodman was like a hippie in his own time. Like he was, he was like free spirit, uh, crazy hair, like go with whatever. And uh, so was, so was Phil Jackson, even to, even like when he was coaching the bulls, he had like that. There's uh there's obsessions with like, uh, Buddhism and uh, yeah, the Native American and like uh, Native uh, Americans uh, and like he's like, hey, uh, Dennis, you know what you are? You're the outlier. You're the outlier. Like whatever the uh, the name they had for him. <laughs> yeah. See, they walk backwards. The backwards yeah, the backwards. Yeah. yeah, the backwards yeah. walker. That's yeah. what you are. And like most people would like take that as like, oh, like shit, I'm the backwards walker. But Dennis Robbins like, oh yeah, I am the backwards walker. Oh, bet. <laughs> what is interesting though, what I thought stood out, especially. And he's made some news in the, you know, since the documentary since the documentary has aired is Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas now is really to me just looking like a big crybaby. It's like, come on, man, like get over it. He's still got this beef with Jordan. They showed the funny clip of Jordan still like calling Isaiah Thomas an asshole. <laughs> I thought that was so funny and so on brand for Jordan. <laughs> and it's so funny watching Isaiah Thomas complain, especially after you watch him in the Dennis Rodman documentary. You've got to watch that documentary. It's hilarious, but not hilarious. Sorry. Informative. <laughs> I don't know where I got those two <laughs> words messed up. It is hilarious. That's, dude, it is fucking that is hilarious. Why, <laughs> uh, okay. That's why actually, <laughs> Some I know, stuff in that dude. There's, no, there's I know like, why I said hilarious. It's because we were talking about Isaiah Thomas and Pat and I were talking he looks like a little evil super villain. It's so funny. It's so funny. He's in his little suit, and he's always got that weird smile on his face. Like, he was talking about something so devastating when Rodman had the gun up to him, and he was smiling through it. Yeah. And then he started fake crying. Yeah, he did a fake, fake cry on the, in, the, in the 30 for 30. He did a fake cry. Like, we suspect it's he's a like, fake cry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. The those like the bad boy Pistons are like the Michael Jordan era uh 08 Celtics. Oh yeah, kinda, but even tougher. <laughs> no, but like they just like think that like like they think they like really affected like this 08 Celtics think that they yeah. like ruined LeBron yes. and like those dudes thought that they were like beating the fucking shit out of Jordan <laughs> and then Jordan was like he just took like two years and then he just beat the brakes off him every year. Right. Yeah, I actually LeBron ended up doing weights. too. Like they're like, oh, we broke LeBron. It's like, dude, he started waxing you too. Like the next year, every year, like you guys were done. You got traded to Brooklyn, and then you really sucked. Yeah. You ruined them for about a decade. Or, yeah, a whole decade. I can't stand Paul Pierce. He's one of like the least likable people I think in the NBA like realm because he's he thinks he don't get me wrong, Hall of Famer, fair play to the man. He's one of the greats, right? But he's not one of the great greats. Yeah. And when he tried to compare himself to Dwayne Wade last year and, oh, I ended LeBron, like, dude, give me a break. You had a fucking great career, but you're not Dwayne Wade. You're not Kobe. You're not LeBron. You're not any of these people, dude. You're just – you were a really good player and you're a Hall of Famer. Granted, that's phenomenal. I I'm, I'm, don't want to diminish that at all. But Paul Pierce really just gets under my skin because he, he's so arrogant. He thinks he's better than he really was. He, he's not – Anything? No self-awareness. That's yeah. it. No self-awareness. You know, one of my favorite clips of all time, it's like uh, when the Paul Pierce was on the Clippers and they were playing the Warriors and Draymond just shit-talked uh, Paul Pierce. Like, Paul Pierce was talking shit, saying Draymond can't guard someone. And then Draymond just go, looks over to the bench and screams, man, why do you think you're good? You ain't no Kobe. Yeah, that's so savage. Like as much <laughs> as I, I dislike Draymond Green as well, but I dislike Paul Pierce even more. 
Yeah, me too. So it's, like, it's like the perfect explanation. Like he's just he's great, but he's not all time great, and he yeah. thinks he deserves to be remembered as an all time great. I don't know why it pissed me off when he compared himself to Dwayne Wade. But speaking <laughs> of Dwayne Wade, he's also been in the news because Aaron Gordon just released a diss track. I'm not sure if you guys have even heard it or listened to it, but it's called Nine Out of Ten. Referring, not, not listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> referring to the infamous nine out of ten in the dunk, dunk contest this year. Now listen, we are Team Derek Jones on this podcast because of Nick and Pat. They went to high school with Derek Jones, so Aaron, he's my best friend. Yeah, I was best friends with him. <laughs> but we had to back Derek Jones. But the diss track came out, and then De- uh, Aaron Gordon came on ESPN and said. No more slam dunk contests for me. The first one between me and Zach was close. The second one, he thought he had. Give me your takes on the diss track to Dwayne Wade, which apparently they're cool with. Dwayne Wade was cool with it because Dwayne Wade said he cost him $100 million, or $100 million, $1 million. And then he's not going to do any more dunk contests. How do you guys think about that? Yeah, I just think he took way too long to come out with the diss track. Like, the dunk contest was in February, and you're releasing it in, the, like, last week of April. That's just too long. I, I don't care about that anymore. I mean, he probably does, but I don't even think he, like, got robbed. I think he got more robbed in the Levine dunk contest. I disagree with honest. you on that. I think he got more robbed. Really? No, I think he got more robbed in the Levine one. But I yeah, think his I just dunks in the Levine one were ridiculously creative. I also thought Levines were just ridiculous. They yeah, were no, that one was a pick'em. To be fair, I think if you're being fair, that the Levine one was a pick'em. He probably should have had the one against Derek Jones. I, who was with us? Were we all in the car coming home? In yeah. The Uber? Yeah. Nick, yeah, were you we're there? Uber. Yeah, I was there. We were, we're Jerry. We were, all, we were all in the car, and the <laughs> Uber driver had the dunk contest on in the car. That was awesome. Yeah, what a ride GPS that was. screen. Yeah, that was awesome. He didn't need a GPS. He just whipped uh-uh. us, whipped us back to the apartment. He had the dunk contest on, and when he parked, we said, "Hold on, this is our boy Duncan. That's our boy Duncan. You mind if we stay in the car?" He let us stay in the car. What a great Uber driver, man. Yeah, I kind of remember just saying like, Aaron Gordon did the same dunk like six times. I don't remember it at all though, and I didn't rewatch it. Right. But I remember that's all I was saying the entire time was he keeps doing the same thing over and over again. Um, But yeah, I'm not going to listen to that song. That's a waste of time. I don't care. I wanted to get back real quick to the Isaiah Thomas thing because I skipped over this. He was infamously not selected to the dream team for whatever reason. Now it's speculated that's because they didn't shake hands with Michael Jordan after this playoff series, which I don't think is true. But what is your dream team versus redeem team take? Who would you guys take and why? Uh, I'd take the I'd take the redeem team. Okay, just, okay. Just like it's like I don't know because when you have it's hard because like different generations like people from the redeem team it's just like the athleticism just outweighs the athleticism from the dream team so much. Yep. Like you have Co like prime Kobe, prime LeBron, right. but just just those two put. Honestly, put those two in like of like three other average to maybe a little above average NBA players. I think that'll be crossing a line. I don't. I don't think it is. But I think I would agree with you on the redeem team. Of course, that's our bias coming in. We haven't really got to see all those other guys play. 
we've talked about it before. It's just the athleticism of these, this generation is much different. I even think if you took the best stars from today's NBA and put them against the redeemed team, I think today's NBA stars would smoke those guys. Like, well, Giannis wouldn't be on it because he's from Greece, but. Uh, I don't know. You think, do. you think yeah. if they had today's mm-hmm. stars, like say like there was two LeBrons, like today LeBron and like old LeBron. Yep. And then like, you know, versus Kobe and all them. I, I think that team would beat the, the, the players right now. No. Do you kid, dude, Kobe really. and LeBron together? They're the most competitive players. Like, I mean, besides Michael Jordan, those two are like the most competitive players of all time. Okay, well, you get LeBron still. You probably get a better version of LeBron. You got Kevin Durant, probably going to go down as top three player of all time. Then you get Kawhi Leonard. Then you get Steph Curry pulling up from half court. (laughs) Then put whoever – who are you going to put at center? Probably probably not even a center, right? Probably a four, someone small. AD. AD. Yeah, Anthony Davis. Put AD at center. You have defensive player of the year, Dwight Howard, uh, blocking him, though. Yeah, but Anthony Davis was, I think, is better than Dwight Howard. Anthony Davis, yeah, Anthony Davis can go outside, too, though. Yeah. That was, like, before the, uh, like, the redeem team was before the outside shot came, like, became crucial. And then the bench, we're getting Russell Westbrook, Dame Lillard, instead of Darren Williams. You're forgetting. They had, like, Darren Williams on the bench and, like, a baby Anthony Davis on the redeem team. You're forgetting prime Anthony Carmelo, too. Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony. Anthony. <laughs> Anthony oh, my God. <laughs> he was, he was, I'm reading, like, off the Wikipedia page. I'm like, Anthony Carmelo. That sounds right. <laughs> sounds like, like some Italian artist. <laughs> you didn't even talk about James Harden today. James Harden, true. You mean Harden James? Yeah, Harden James. Yeah, Harden James. You got James Harden. I think today's team would really smoke them pretty good. I really do. I think you just couldn't guard them. Mm-hmm. But – I think I also think in the redeem team uh, versus dream team thing, if you played like the 90 rules where like you could hand check and stuff, right? Because you could hand check then. Yeah. Like I, th- I think then if you play with those rules, they probably win. And if you play today's rules, we smoke them. I, I like the redeem I team know. smokes them. I, I, I think that changed. Like I think our guys getting hand checked and like I think if like the redeem team, like I think that like really alters the way you play. I think it's it does alter the way they play, but I think some guys would adapt to it pretty quickly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it does alter it, but, like, those guys are so fucking strong and shit. Like, no, so that's, again, would... it's one of these pick-ems. Yeah. We're yeah. all going to go with the dream team and all that. But, anyway, I wanted to move from professional basketball to somewhat professional basketball, more focused on the NCAA and the compensation problem. Jalen Green, number one draft pick or number one prospect, I should say, signs with the G League, $500,000. believe the number 14 guy and the number 20 guy, I'm forgetting their names again, also signed in the G League. NCAA now comes out and says, hey, uh, athletes can be paid for their image and likeness as long as it's not the school. It seems like it's a little bit late to the party, and I think we're going to see a lot of guys start to do this G League route, especially if they're going to get the free school with it. I don't think – a lot of guys can get it. What do you mean? Like, I think it's like top prospects will do it. But after like, there's like 15 guys, I don't think there's going to like teams are going to offer that kind of money. I think how it works is the the top guys out of the prep schools are going to get the 500, 300, 400, $500,000. Yeah. And I think the other guys aren't going to be making as much, but they're still going to be able to get paid more than they get paid in college. Even now college is the NCAA is letting all this come in and, 
I just I don't see why you would even want to do the college basketball route anymore. I don't know. I feel like it's like it's kind of cool, to, like because like nobody really cares about the G League. Like nobody goes to watch those games. It's not like a really fun environment to play in. You're playing in like shittier gyms, and some high school teams do. If you go to like, especially now, like kids that are like wouldn't be going to Duke to play are going to have the chance because the top guys go to the G League. They're going to go to Duke and play instead of going to the G League for like 50 grand because playing at Duke in front of like Duke fans every week is like so it's worth it. And you're going to Duke like you're probably not doing the work and you're going to end up with a degree from Duke anyway. So like you'll make your money. Fair enough. But would you still watch the Duke games if they're not the good guys? Would you watch the crappy guys on Duke or the good guys in the G League? No, I think I don't think you're the thinking of, the, you're thinking of the old Duke that's gonna stay with all the stars and all that, but all the stars aren't gonna be there. They're gonna be in the G League, hopefully. I don't think so that I think that's gonna change it. I don't think that will because like people like fans of college basketball are like so ingrained in the culture of their yeah. college. Like they don't watch it for the players that are on their team. Like of course you have like people like probably like me, like I watched Duke because they had Zion. But if you got like the hardcore Duke fans, they don't really care who's on their team. They just want to root for Duke and, like, root for them against UNC. So as long as they're playing games, like, they don't have a good fan base. See, I disagree with that logic, though, because I'm of the belief, other than your local teams, you watch it because of the team. I watch games because I'm a fan of the players. If my favorite college basketball players on Arizona, I'm going to watch Arizona over a Duke game because I want to watch the player. Or if my favorite player in the NBA is Kevin Durant, say – I'm going to watch the Brooklyn Nets over watching Milwaukee's showdown with Giannis just because I hypothetically prefer Kevin Durant. That's just my belief. I'm, I'm watching yeah. for the player. I'm not watching for the team. It could be for any team, but I'm watching for the player. I don't know. I agree with Kyle. Like, college basketball, people have, like, really deep ties to their college. Like, I know, uh, like, St. Joe's fans who – are they were like the hawk will never die the hawk will never die meanwhile that program has been like it's been pretty bad for and since like since the t- time when they had uh what's his name the guy who just was on crack jameer nelson and delante west and delante west yeah since then they've been pretty bad so like but th- their fan base is still they still rock with them like every year that's totally fair and you're gonna get the alumni i just think people our age are more likely to watch the player yeah, like on a na- on a national scale, it probably will get hurt a little bit. But I think like the localness and like just the ties that people have to the school will be good enough to keep them making a shit ton of money. And like people will still always want to watch March Madness. I think no matter who the players in it are. And also, there's the there's a lot of guys that bloom like super late. So like. There's going to be guys who you won't even get uh, looked at to go to the G League. They'll end up playing college basketball. That by their junior year are going to be really good players. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I just don't think there's going to be enough guys coming out of high school every year to go sign in the G League. Like, I think maybe each team will take one player. That's 30 guys. So, if you yeah. take the top 30 out of every recruiting class, like, that's still a lot of really good players for college basketball. Yeah, I feel like I the NCAA so. has plenty of money. I think that the NBA is going to flush so much money into the G League that they're just going to be able to play maybe the, I'd say maybe more I'd say more than the top 30. I think it's going to be enough where I would watch it. Well, I don't think I don't think those players are as good as you think. Like 
Well, we got the number one guy. The number one guy, yeah, but, the, like, the top 30 players, maybe. But a lot of those guys, like, if they went to the G League, they'd get their asses kicked. they get their yeah. asses kicked by – because those guys in the G League have been through college already. Like, they've already gone, like – they're probably, like, four-year players that have, like, been through college. They're grown oh, men, too. Yeah, they're, gro- they're polished, grown men. I think, I think a lot of these guys would get dominated by them. Perhaps. But what if Zion was in there? You get guys yeah, like Zion. But that's the thing. That's a top 30 player. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. Well, guys, it looks like Eddie Alvarez is about to join us any second now. So let me just work something out. Let's see if we can get him in. All right. Here he is, Philadelphia's own, the underground king, multiple-time world champion, Eddie Alvarez. Thanks for joining the show today. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. So we wanted to talk about your own Fight Island experience back in 2007. Obviously, it's big news with the UFC now. They're trying to put on their own little Fight Island, but you had an experience. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so there was a billionaire, Calvin Air, who, who owned Bodog uh, Fight, or Bodog.com, the gambling casino and website. Um, he found it uh, a good idea to kind of put on a fight promotion. And when he did them, he did them on, like, random, like, secluded islands. And um, he flew us into Costa Rica. Um, I think he paid the fighters, way overpaid the fighters. So it was like a dream come true. We flew to Costa Rica. We took a boat three hours to like a secluded island called Tambor. And um, we, we went out two weeks early and we trained on the island outdoor. And then we fought on the beach two weeks later. There was no, no athletic commission. Uh, it was real mom and pop. And um, the fights were incredible. They were right on the beach. Uh, that, that was guys like Chow Sonin, um, there were some pretty big names who joined the organization, and um, it was it was cool. It was like paradise. It was a dream come true wow. for for any fighter. Oh yeah. So when like before you got big and you were doing those in Atlantic City or whatever, were you working another job or did you were you just like kind of all in, all focused on the fighting, just trying to get there? Or did you have another job to help like support, pay the bills? I know that's pretty important. Yeah. So um, I had my first child when I was 20, 20 years old. So um, I was already doing concrete work. I started doing concrete work when I was about 18. And I did concrete work all the way up until about 22 or 23 years old. And then I, I, they offered me enough money to be able to leave concrete and move on just fighting full time. So I, I was fighting, I was training fighting and doing concrete work for probably four years. Okay. In the beginning of my career, doing both. Oh my God. It was absolutely, I don't even, looking back, I don't know how I did it, but I was super passionate. I wanted to fight for a living so bad Mm -hmm. that my eight hours of concrete meant nothing. I just wanted to get to the gym to be able to, you know. Yeah, so it was just like getting through the day just to be able to go and practice your your fighting. Yeah, I I had a bigger vision. Like, I knew that what I was doing, concrete, was just like a temporary stop for me. Mm-hmm. But, like, my vision I had for myself in my head was, like, much greater. Okay. So, like, I was taking my I, – I put a lot – I invested a lot of time away from home, um, you know, with, with, my, with my girlfriend at the time, who, who, who was my wife. I met her when I was 15 years old. So, we spent a lot of time apart in the beginning of my career just to try to build what we have now, like build mm-hmm. everything that we have today. Right, so it certainly worked out for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So you're just coming off a win in one championship where you beat Edward Foliang by a rear naked, cho- rear naked choke in the first round. Um, but earlier in that round, you got hit in the, uh, in the ankle with a, a nasty leg kick. Uh, how, did, how did you come back from that? So I got injured like 10 days before the – like it was about, probably about 12 days before the fight. So when I leave to go to Asia, I leave 10 days out so I can acclimate a little bit. Um, I got injured on day like 12 out, and oh. I was actually not going to fight. I, I, it popped really bad, and I was trying to ignore it. But I was like, out oh, of hell with it. I put so much time and effort into the training camp that I'm like, I'm just going to take the flight. I'm already, I'm already at weight. I don't have to cut weight. If I had to do the weight cut to 55, I probably would have not fought because I wouldn't have been able to do a weight cut on, the, on my ankle the way it was. So, um, so I went out and I knew that that was going to be an issue. My ankle was going to be an issue. So I just, I, uh, I fight week, I did what I could on the ankle. And then I, you know, I went in the cage with, with, with a hope that he didn't injure it or do anything to it. And it's a fist fight. A minute into the fight, he smashed my ankle. Okay. So, so I didn't know that. I didn't know you were actually injured uh, coming into the fight. Did he, did he know that when he tried to – was he trying to attack the, the ankle? No, and I wanted to l- let them be aware of my ankle when I went out there. Mm-hmm. I wanted to tell them, hey, my ankle's hurt. Can I tape it? I wanted to ask them, can I tape it before I go in? Right. But I, I knew if I asked them if I could tape it, that the information would spread quickly. Yeah, yeah. I was fighting in the Philippines against the Philippine superhero. So <laughs> any <laughs> – any small amount of bad information that I spread would have went, it would have went bad for me. So he, he kicks that, that all the time in all of his fights. So it was just a bad injury to get against a guy like that. But I don't know what I was saying was, um, he got it. And I've always, I've been in so many fights and I have a strong spirit now. I didn't always have a strong spirit, but I have a strong spirit now that I can, I can suffer better than anyone I fight like I can be in terrible situations and I have a good perspective and know that like every situation is just temporary and that as long as I just kind of stick with it and overcome it that I'll get my turn I'm sorry I kind of have a question about that because I was going to ask you about like being a a MMA fighter there's got to be like tremendous pain you have to endure during your fights so I was wondering like were you just born with that like are uh, MMA UFC fighters kind of just born with that that they can just like take they have a high pain tolerance or is that something that you can like train for to get your pain tolerance up or is it just a mindset I I was I think I think the the environment the, the, the environment grows the um grows the cell right whatever environment mm-hmm. you're put in that's kind of what you grow to be I grew up pretty much being told no from every angle like mm-hmm. people had better shit um, no matter no matter what was going on, I was told no a lot. So I was never I was never programmed to get what I wanted, ever. So like okay. I'm always always programmed to pretty much have to work hard as shit if I wanted anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of programmed that way. I'm used to not getting what I want, and I'm used to having to work like a dog to get it. So like um, from a very early age, just not having a lot of resources, I learned to be resourceful. Yeah. And so where it was, 
someone may look at it as negative when I was a kid, like, oh, poor him. He don't have this. He don't have that. For me, in my sport and what I chose in my life, I have the ultimate tool. I'm resourceful. Um, where, when you don't have a lot of resources, you become resourceful. So mm-hmm. I'm very resourceful. I'm used to not getting things. I'm used to having to figure things out. So it worked for me in fighting. And in fighting, I don't think that you just grow. Like, I'm competitive by nature. So I'm not just going to lay down for anyone. But, yes, it does take time to kind of lose and understand, like, maybe you lost because you little quit a little bit on yourself. But every time you push and you kind of shed your old self and become a, a better you, I think every time you do that, you get an understanding like, man, how far can I go? How much suffering can I take and keep going on? Okay. You just get, a, you, you get more confident in your suffering, you know? Yeah. Like, the, the suffering you, gets put into perspective. Like I suffered this much before and that I made it through. So why can't I do this much? And then I can it do it that. again. And I could probably do it at a higher level and take more. So mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like a gradual, a gradual thing. I would okay. Say. Now, this is what I wanted to ask you about being resourceful. Is it true you used to go up to random, because you grew up in Kensington, you would just go out and ask people to box in the street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, was, that was normal. Um, that was normal stuff. That was like, it'd be equivalent in the suburbs to knocking for your friend and saying, hey, you guys want to play stickball or you want to, <laughs> you know, you want to have a catch? It's no, it was every street corner, almost every other corner in Kensington in them days, there was a boxing gym. So there was Ramblers, Front Street, Harrogate, and they were all within like a two-mile radius of each other. So I would go down the street with four boxing gloves and knock for my friend and say, hey, you want to you box? <laughs> we used to box right in the middle of the street. And you would train at Front Street Boxing Gym when you were a kid, right? The same where Creed was filmed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay. Well, let's move on to UFC 249. And Fight Island, all that's going on eventually with the UFC. We have some bettors. Nick and Kyle really like to bet. If you were a betting man for the main event. There you go. (laughs) Let's go. So for a betting man, UFC 249, Ferguson versus Gaethje, main event, who should we put our money on? So um, so 13-0 is hard to go against, but Tony, but like um, when when I bet, I like I bet value, right? Like, I see a lot of value in Gaethje because I think this, this fight should be more of a pick em. The first two or three rounds, this is going to look like a pick em fight. It's going to be – they should – Gaethje should be minus 100 or, or it should be even, minus okay. 110, minus 110. So, I feel like the values in Gaethje uh, – Tony makes a ton of mistakes, terrible mistakes, and has not got his lights shut out yet. He not he got knocked down by some pretty amateur strikers, some guys who were very not even known. But no one had the the power that Gaethje has to put him out completely. Um, do I think Gaethje's going to take damage? Yeah, he always takes damage. But the style matchup, I just don't think it favors Tony. Gaethje's very unique. I had to – I had to – really adjust my training to get ready for Justin Gaethje. The first, when, I, when I fought him, I know I was going to fight him. I 
brought my training partners in and I trained completely different than I ever trained. He's a unique fighter with a unique style and you can't just take him on a, on a late notice right. and, and, just get, and just say, Hey, I'm going to go in there and wing it on him. You need to be ready for what he's the way he comes. And, uh, I would, I, I wouldn't pick the fight. I wouldn't put all my money on it. I would take a chip bet. I'd probably put like 200 or something on Gaethje because I like the value. But I don't love lo- I don't love the bet. There's probably okay. bets mm-hmm. on the card that I love more than that one. Yeah, you got a couple of guys on this card that you have experience with between Gaethje and Pettis and Cerrone. So you'll, I think you'll have the most insight when it comes to uh, betting on this fight. He's fighting Cerrone. They're the main the – main, uh, the, the head main on the prelim, on the prelim. They're heading the prelim. It's Pettis and Cerrone. That's another, that's another pickle, man. Yeah, well, I think Cerrone's going to come out hot. These are the fights I pick. I pick the fights where I know – I don't pick guys who are good. I don't, I don't go, oh, I like this guy. He's really good. I'm going to pick him to win. When I put my money on the line, I look for guys who suck, and I bet against them. That's how I do it. I, I pick the guys who aren't supposed to be there, and I go completely against them on the other realm. So, right. like, where a lot of guys pick, like, the main events and the co-mains, I usually stay away from them. I look, like, on the undercards for the guys who don't even belong in, in the arena. Now, while we're on topic of betting, Kyle, I think you had a question about betting you wanted to ask, right? Yeah, it was sort of related. It was just uh, during your one UFC a title fight. It was against Rafael Dos Anjos. You were a three-to-one underdog. And I was just wondering, do you pay attention to, like, the lines that come out that Vegas has set to see yeah, if I'm you're a, an I underdog? Yeah, I on these fights. I pay attention to all the lines. Ryan, <laughs> my, fr- my teammates, everybody. I, I, I'm probably worse than you guys are. And I'm probably putting in more bets on a UFC than you guys do. Now, oh, what's it like when you're the underdog? Yeah, do you feel that little extra motivation? I know uh, underdog theme's a big one in Philly. Yeah, I don't lose a lot of them. I have lost them. I have and lost them in the past, but, like, a lot of them, when I'm a three-to-one or four-to-one, mm-hmm. I, that, I really get up for them. So, All like, right. if you see me on a three-to-one or four-to-one and I feel like people are just, like, not giving me what I deserve, they're the fights I kind of get up for. It gives All me right. something to get excited about and, like, Shock and wow, everyone. I'll Next tell you what we – Three to one, four to one. I know where to put my money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll tell you what we need odds for, Eddie, because when we did shout at you out on Twitter, we said that you would get the punch Kyle in the gut. And we have – we should make the odds. for What are the odds that he, he lands – when you land that liver shot, what are the odds that he stays standing? Yeah, do you think you would be able to – like, do you think I would die if you hit <laughs> like full throttle, punch to the no, stomach? No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't die. But, like, for sure, um, I mean, you'd be at a, like, a – you'd be at a plus 10,000 to stay on your feet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe once all the corona stuff ends, Eddie, we come down to the gym and we, and we film it or something. I, I give so you a plus 10 grand <laughs> I'd be disappointed in myself if I didn't put you down. Hey, it's all uh, yeah. a chance. That's, that's all I need. That's all I need. The fighter's <laughs> chance. Uh, Eddie, so when you uh, when you have like a a championship fight, you win the championship. Fights obviously take so much out of you, and you always hear about the after parties. Like, are you actually staying out and partying after you win a championship, or are you going going right to bed? 
this is a nor and this is a real normal night for me after their fight. Um, one, every single fighter, almost every single one, is getting CAT scans um, almost immediately before the fight. So, like, some fighters actually make it to the uh, post-fight press conference. A lot of them don't, and they go straight to get CAT scans. So, like, a lot of times we're getting CAT scans um, for two and three hours uh, after the fight, and you're in there with the guy you just fought. So, like, um, some some nights are worse than others. Sometimes you'll get eight, ten guys in the hospital all together, and we're literally a, a curtain away from each other. So there's fights that break out sometimes in a hospital. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh if, my if guys don't like each other. But, like, most of the time it's cordial. But you'll go, you'll get your CAT scans or get worked on whatever – cuts you got lacerations um you'll get checked out and then if you can make it back in time for the post press conference then you go do that um after that honestly me and my wife had our hotel room we will get we'll order out and then if there are people who came to the city with us like chicago or boston if we have friends and family come they'll come back to the room we'll start having a couple of drinks and eat pizza or some shit and then uh that our night kind of ends there. I don't, I don't usually go out unless I'm getting paid. Like sometimes, sometimes a nightclub will give you like five grand or 10 grand to go to the nightclub. Um, in Vegas, that happens a lot. Or if you're in a casino, that happens a lot. So if, if I'm obligated by my management to go to a nightclub and sit there for two hours, I'll do it. I don't want to, but yeah. I know it. I'd always see like about these post-fight parties and I was like there's no like I mean I've I've fought somebody for maybe 30 seconds the longest <laughs> in my life and I've almost thrown up every time after from being so gassed so I was like there's, I, I couldn't see anybody actually going out to party after no after when I was 22 when me and my wife were 22 when we were younger in our 20s and we were fighting down Atlantic City we had an after party almost every fight it's just <laughs> We have four children, and like I'm just like I'm like I just want to go home. I'm like, yeah, right. right. We get our check. I'm busted up. I probably can't see out of one eye. And I'm like, the last thing I want to do is party. Uh, yeah. We have a couple more questions for you because we don't want to take up too much of your night. Um, we'll get to some Philly sports in a little bit, but I wanted to ask you a question about after fights. You said some guys are fighting in the hospital, but you seem to be pretty civil. It seems with the guys afterwards. Are you able to do that? Because I saw you on Twitter earlier this week having a little back and forth with John Kavanaugh, Conor McGregor's coach, about Bodog fighting. But leading up to the McGregor fight, you were at the press conference and you said, fuck John Kavanaugh. Yeah. Are you able to stay cool with all these guys after you fight them, even if it gets heated and stuff? I, the, um, when I was – I don't even know if when I – I don't even know if when I was young if I held a real grudge against anyone. There's – when you go to fight someone – uh, so like, you know, how they say, don't, don't argue religion or politics, right? Right. You don't argue that because a lot of that has to do, some of, some people believe politics are in our DNA, whether you're a Democrat or Republican is a DNA thing. Like you, you could be more conservative of a person or more compassionate of a person. So you'll lean on this side, or you could be more of a, more aggressive and more, you know, this way. So you lean on that side. So you don't argue them because it's a belief, right? 
you can't argue a belief. No one will ever win. So with fighting, the, the lead up to a fight is very much that. It's a belief. I sincerely believe I've been beaten in a fight, but you're not going to convince me you, you can beat me at this particular time for this fight right now. And, and, and I can't convince you that I'm going to beat you. So these are two very competitive people with two very strong beliefs. So a lot of the times the lead up is it's super genuine. It's pretty much my belief versus yours and my hard work and sacrifice versus your hard work and sacrifice. But after the fight happens, I don't know. Once you figure out like, Hey, you lost, like you win, man. Like I don't, you won. Whatever you believe was true for now may not be true a couple months from now if I get ready again and adjust, but you win for now. And if you can't kind of bury, bury the hatchet and, put, and keep it there, I think you're in denial. You're kind of like silly. So I don't know. I'm too grown up to hold a grudge with anyone. I, I, I love the fight. I enjoy the competitiveness of it. And to write me a big check, that's incentive enough for me to fight anyone. I'll fight, I'll fight anyone. So just sign, just give me a check, you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll walk in the ring for a million dollars just to get knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is you have to walk in the ring a lot of times and win a lot of times in order to get to that million dollar mark. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Case, I'd just be, <laughs> I'd be in the hospital probably. Yeah. But you had a question about Philly sports, Pat. Why don't you? Uh, right, right, right. So switching topics a little bit. Uh, we just got done talking about the Eagles draft last podcast. How are you feeling about the picks? Jalen Hurts in the second round? God, uh, I, guys, honestly, I would be lying to you if I said I, I knew or did. <laughs> um, I, I want every Philly team to win. Um, I, I, I like to – I go to the Sixers games probably more than I go to anything. But – um. I'll cheer for football, but like the truth is, if I don't bet on the game, I don't care. <laughs> right. Yep. I have to bet the game in order to be emotionally invested to even care or watch it. I, <laughs> I just don't know. I, I was, uh, I did. I rung the bell at the Sixers game a couple months back. Right. And um, I was in the waiting room with one of the Eagles, and he starts. And I couldn't tell you if that guy was just the janitor or if he actually played football. I just don't – I watch I'm, – I'm a fight fan. I, I know a lot about fighting. I just don't know a bunch about other sports. That's all good. Well, let's talk Sixers then real quick because it's not really a Sixers question. It's more of just an inside question I wanted to get the answer to. You were in talks about training Ben Simmons in MMA, and I wanted to get your take on this because Shaq was recently on Ariel Hawani's show talking about how training MMA helped him in the NBA. So this is kind of I a two- helped for Shaq, too. Did you really? Uh, Can you tell us about that? Yeah. <laughs> we, I did the TNT show with Shaq and Charles Barkley. <laughs> oh, right. nice, oh, nice. Man. How was that? How did he hit? Good power, I'm assuming? Yeah, he's massive dude <laughs> his technique was was not good but um just because the guy weighs like 400 pounds it kicked me across the room but um, <laughs> that was a fun show to do him right him and um charles's mother and father live in here in rich barrel so, right okay like, oh, all uh, right charles is a good guy i'm gonna shoot right. some rounds of golf room 
But uh, back to the Ben Simmons thing. Have you were you ever able to get in contact and train with Ben Simmons and get him some MMA training? We never trained. No, I went down to I went down to a game. Um, we talked to each other on Twitter. Uh, he was just like, "Hey, come down. I got tickets or something like that." But uh, we were just laughing about the the situation of him choking choking the dude. And, oh, Carl Towns, right? Uh, yeah, and um, I just recently joined his. Uh, I joined his. Uh, it's he he has a Philly organization to kind of. What's it? Yeah, it's called, it's basically a platform to be able to go to donate for COVID and for other uh, good causes or whatnot. But uh, his uh, brother sh- sh- like shout out to me and asked me about it. So we just joined that. It's a Philly. Damn, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a Philly Philly grown like organization for charity. Right. And while we're on the topic of uh, COVID, you're doing something with the 95 mask, correct? Can you tell everyone about that? Yeah. So. Um, my cousin kind of, uh, created a mask it's a shield that goes over the N95 mask. And, um, we're trying to get them reproduced like on a larger scale. He has a 3d printer and he's just been making them, but he can only make it like a few, a couple, like tens of them. And, um, I went on Twitter to kind of reach out to see if someone had a facility and I got a hold of, of uh, someone in Ohio, and um, I'm waiting to talk to that guy now. Sorry. Supposedly, he can run them off in the hundreds or the thousands. And if he could do that, we're going to get a bunch mass produced and give them out to the nurses and everybody on the front lines here in Philadelphia. Awesome. Um, I can't get a mass produced on, like a, on a scale of tens of thousands, but I think we can get thousands done. Um, vacuum tube and get them to the the nurses and the doctors here here in Philly. So um, we're still working on it. It's taken longer than what I originally thought, but um, I think within the next week or so we should have some kind of uh, something. Okay, great. That's good to hear. I appreciate it. I appreciate all that, and that's a good cause. Kyle, you had something to question that every Philadelphian person wants to know, though, right? Yeah, just one one quick question. Fa- favorite cheese spot, a cheesesteak spot in Philly. Oh man! Need to know. So, um, I was I was originally a Steve Steak guy. Yeah, I'm a big big Steve's guy. Yeah, that's probably. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a Pat's or Gino's ever. I love Steve's, but um, I have uh, really good friends created. uh, I think it was 2018 uh, Philly Cheesesteak of the Year. They created the Winter Wadowski. Did you have this yet? I think I've seen that yeah, because I used to intern at Fox 29. I think they may have had them on. Yeah, so the Winter Wadowski is shaved kibasi with melted American cheese on it. And they, uh, it's basically, it looks like a cheesesteak, but it's shaved kibasi. And you can get it, they have a place called the Malt House, and that's in uh, Rockledge. And you could, they have a Rockledge location, and they also have a Port Richmond location. But it's okay. called the Winter Wadowski. It's, it pretty much tops any cheesesteak you're going to get. Wow. All right. All right. We will try that out. Eddie, we want to thank you so much for joining the show today. We appreciate you taking out the time out of your busy schedule. I'm sure you're still training, staying busy, like you said. So we really appreciate you guys, uh, you coming on the show and being our first guest. It means the world. Yeah, man. Awesome. Good luck to you guys, man. Thanks, man. We'll post some clips on Twitter. So I'm sure we'll be blowing up your feed for the next week or so. But again, thanks so much. 
I'll retweet, do whatever you guys want. Good luck with everything again. Right. Appreciate awesome. it. Thanks, Eddie. Have a good one, man. Great. Yep, yep. All right, sweet. That was Eddie Alvarez, former UFC champion, former Bellator world champion, and current one championship lightweight contender. We want to thank him again for coming on the show today. Guys, what stood out to you in that conversation? He's a nice guy. Yeah, awesome <laughs> guy. Really nice yeah. guy. Awesome guy. I thought it was so funny, Kyle, when he gave you 10,000 to one odds to take that gut punch. Yeah, I mean, I'll take those odds. I'll, I'll put, I'll <laughs> I don't definitely throw some odds. I, I truly believe I, if I get in the right mindset, like, give me like, a month and a half to like actually work out every day, do crunch, do like a hundred crunches every day. I will be able to stand after taking a punch. Kyle, let me tell you something. Okay, so I've done a, a little bit of training. Right, got I'm repping my shirt right now. LGO MMA and King of Prussia. Shout out to you, Coach Bill. <laughs> when I was training there, if you got hit just with the wrong shot and you're you know sparring, not sparring, when you're just hitting the pads or hitting you're with your partner and you're just practicing. And sometimes you accidentally hit too hard. Even if it's just a slightly bit too hard, you go, you buckle, you go, oh. Yeah, but now, that's the thing. Like, you if buckle. you're. And this is from people I hardly even trained compared to Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> I have like half a percent of training compared to Eddie Alvarez. Not 50%, like 0. 0.50, right? Like, if he was 100, I'm at 0. 0.50. Mm -hmm. If he kicked you right in the liver, you would crumble, bro. Oh, well, now we're talking kick. Yeah, kick. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, punch. Okay. I'll say even if he gives you a nice punch right in the gut, you're still going down. Mm -hmm. Believe you me, pal. No, if I if I give me like a good month and a half, two months, just I'll do sit-ups every day, do whatever ab exercises I need to. If I prepare myself, just like flex as hard as I can. Listen, it'll, I'm not going to say it won't hurt because obviously it'll hurt like know. a motherfucker. Kyle, I don't believe It won't you, go man. down. Eddie, my man, I'm putting my money on you, man. Give him the best punch you fucking got, bro. We'll make some money off of this, me and you, Eddie. It also depends. Like, is it is it like a knee down? Does that count? Is it both yeah. knees down? No, no, no. Is it knee like down. NFL rules? No, knee down. You're, you're, anything, hand, you fall. That's it? A hand? No, Dude, no, no. If I'm hand. allowed to, like, lean onto a wall. Think, no, you can't lean onto a wall. That's not, that's not on the ground. You up, bro. Hold on, hold on. I if can be holding back and he like drops a knee and bounces right back up. I don't count that as yeah, dude, if I'm if he says drop into a knee. Oh I'm no, if you drop a knee, you are a hundred percent down. Thank no, you. Thank you. Yeah, if I drop a knee, yeah, but if I like get hit and I'm like leaning up against the wall like <laughs> you can't hold yourself <laughs> up. All right, it's that's definitely knee. down. Yeah, oh, dude. Oh no, no. When he says like I'm thinking hit to the stomach immediately collapse, like holy shit. Kyle, so, we're doing it in the street, so there'll be no wall there. Okay. He's the underground king. He's a street fighter. We're doing it in the street. There'll be no wall. That's how we'll do it. And he's going to wear brass knuckles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's going to go as hard as he can with brass knuckles to your gut. Yeah. You know what else is cool hearing that, that his Fight Island story? That was really cool that he just happened to fight on that Bodog card with a billionaire, and it was, ended up being the lottery for him. He got paid big for a, an unknown guy at that point. That's a cool little story. Who knew that Fight Island was a thing before the UFC even started talking about it? Yeah, I wish I was a billionaire that could just start a Fight Island, like, because I was bored. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, the most billionaire thing to do ever. Just, like, pay a shit ton of money to watch people beat the shit out of each other. It's, like, one step away from, like, hunting humans for sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about that story with Shaq, too? Punching Shaq. I would love to see Shaq in a proper MMA fight. I would love to see Shaq. Just, yeah. Just, I would love to see a couple NBA guys actually in proper NBA, uh, MMA fights. Dude, he used to have that show. Did you ever see Shaq versus? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. That was yeah. Awesome. But I would I like to see 
a, like a LeBron James, if he like did some MMA training, oh god, that is I think, terrifying. I think Shaq did a boxing event once for charity. I'll have to look into that. I haven't he, seen it. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, he he boxed someone for charity, and I'm not sure who won, but I mean, he has absolute bear paws. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he would put my stomach through my back if he hit me in the gut. He'd totally kill Kyle's yeah. ass, dude. He would totally kill Kyle. He, he fought yeah, Shaq, Shaq would kill me. But Eddie, Eddie's body shot you're good with. But the, Yeah, a body shot, no. If, but I'd rather take a body shot from Eddie Alvarez than have Shaq be, like, absolutely furious with me and trying to kill me. Ugh. I'm taking neither, dude. I'm not. And Kyle, if you have a delayed like breakdown, like if two days later you're walking and then all of a sudden it hits you <laughs> and you just fall over, that also counts as well, going down. Well, anyway, guys. Hopefully it's not in the middle of me like crossing the street. <laughs> yeah, like when you have severe internal damage yeah. from taking a straight up gut shot from Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. But anyway, guys, let's end the episode now. We want to thank Eddie Alvarez again for taking all that time out. Of course, we're only having fun, Eddie. Kyle, Kyle is not taking that gut punch. He knows it. But we want to say thank you for coming on the show today. It was awesome. Thanks for being the first guest. That's going to do it for this episode of Cellar Dwellers. For the guys, I'm Sean McGeehan. We are signing off. We will see you next week. We're not actually, we're not actually joking. Kyle's going to take the punch. Yeah, I will. If, like, if you want to, it. I will absolutely take a punch. He wants it. Eddie, he wants the punch. All right. Well, we'll see what happens, Eddie. <laughs> I'm, I'm, on, I'm rocking with you, buddy.